we played y'all in a bubble when I was with Miami, and I was like, yo, white dude can hoop. I think, because when I see you initially, man, as soon as you catch the ball, press up into him hard and, and see what he can do. They, and they normally fall. Like, they normally, you normally out yeah, there to yeah. shoot, and you shot one from deep so comfortably. I'm like, it's like that. And I'm like, all right, I'm in him. He ain't going to get a shot off. And then next time I try to get in you and you drove, I'm like, oh, he got but it. That's the thing I love. Like, when you, like, what you just said is, I'm not a shooter. Like, bro, I'm you can, not, you a shooter, I, bro. You can I, shoot. I, I'm not a shooter. I'm watching. Style. I'm watching you work out, bro. And I'm you were. My son came to practice, For sure. and I said, "Watch Dante's legs on his shots. Like you shoot from deep, effortlessly." This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball but life, and that means something. 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 It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the out of the game. Evan, what's up, bro? What you been doing this week? I've been uh, shoot. I was in South Carolina. I lifted. Um, I've been relaxing, reading, golfing just to taste. I just oh yes, you were golfing. That was a yeah, beautiful thing to yeah, see. Yeah, I just got back. I just got back from uh, like Charleston, like what, like twelve o'clock today. I just came back. So how was it? it was you had an alligator over there? I was. I, I appreciate you people's. Instagram stories because it will give me confirmation of where I don't want to be. <laughs> Bro, that's a real alligator was like in your backyard. No, 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 no. When when you talk about it, it is crazy because I'm like, bro, this is a whole ass alligator. But once you go out there, people are like, I don't know, it's just an alligator. Like they they act like it's and, and that's what I be saying. So sometimes I do be outside, like, what the the fuck? Like, bro, this ain't no alligator. This is a dinosaur. That's you know what, what I'm mean? saying. Yeah, but like this this is something they told me, and everybody swears up and down, like, this is why you should be comfortable. Like in the past 30 years, one woman got attacked by an alligator and she came into the water. You understand what I'm saying? And I guess that's when the alligator like grabbed her because she was bothering the alligator or whatever. And uh, clearly she got killed or whatnot. But people out there, like, if you get killed by the alligator, it's on you because they literally do not bother you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's what everybody was saying. That was like the census. You know what I'm saying? I can dig it. But I know what? I'm not going to get killed by no alligator. So <laughs> don't even worry about it. All right. I'm glad you had a good week on the course. How about you? What was your, what was your week like? Uh, the Sunday after uh, the tournament before the Masters, once that ends... Masters week begins. And so it's the most uh, prestigious golf tournament of the year. It's the first major of the year. So I've been locked in, tapping in, reading. Um, I'm locked in on Masters well, week. Like, uh, what's the routine for you in regards to Master week? Like, is there like a bottle of wine you drink? Is there like a certain, you know um, what I'm saying? Like, like, how do you know you just... Masters week because I've seen a couple people tweet about it. I'm like, damn, what? Like, oh, that's, that's another white round. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, like, right, and it's not like, like Paul. I, 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 you, Paul's isn't the word I would say. So I'm trying to come up with a term. You're good at that. Come up with a term to let folks know what I mean when I say Masters week. Uh, but the, like I said, the Valero tournament, which ends Sunday. Once that ends, uh, our email 
starts for um, our master's pool. So it was like a fantasy league. Now I have a fantasy league that runs all year and I have a fantasy league that's for every um, major tournament. So there are four major tournaments. So the master's is like the biggest one. You start your draft and it's like order one through nine and you know, you one through nine, nine through one, it's the ladder draft. And so we start our picks through emails. And so you're looking at odds, you're looking at uh, what guys are ranked in the world. You go to official world golf rankings. Um, you're looking at who plays well at, at Augusta, which is where the tournament's at. Uh, obviously Tiger doesn't play, but like four or five tournaments a year. So there's a lot of excitement around Tiger. Yeah. At one point they say he would never win it again. Then he won it in 2019. Then there's a live golf guys. We've been talking about live a lot. Yeah, they just those guys, today. Yeah, they're able, crazy. they're able to participate, and they got a few guys that ha actually have an opportunity to win. They got like four guys who won it before: Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed. I think Swartz. I'm not sure if Swartz was a live guy. Sergio Garcia is a live guy. So they got Rochambeau never won the Masters. Um, I just like the name. Yeah, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> is he playing? Yeah, yeah, he's there. He's there. He's there as well. And so you got those guys. So you got a really good field. And um, I'm sure nobody on PGA wants them to win. And I'm sure the live guy wants a live guy to win. And so uh, it's just a lot of energy around golf. In the fantasy league, you got 10 players that you draft. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so you tracking where they at, but you also tracking who you're going up against. And then in my other fantasy league, where it's year round, I picked two guys for this tournament, so I got to track them. So I'm tracking like 12 guys. Oh, that's crazy. And so I'm seeing where everybody's at, who's going to make the cut, who's going to miss the cut. And every day, your your standings can change. And so it's just a whole crazy experience. And and like I said, like one shot can change. Even if it's a shot on Thursday or Friday can change whether you win or not. Because usually, like, there's a like you, if you score a certain score on Thursday, um, like if you're in first place on Thursday, that gives you a certain percentage it gives you a better chance to win come Sunday. And okay. so you watching like who in the top five on Thursday. But like I said, one hole, one shot can take you completely out the tournament yeah. on Friday. And and like That's guys know it. Like you go home like, man, that one shot on Friday. Like imagine that. Like you go to the finals and 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 like something that happened in the regular season mess up your chances to win the finals. You're like, wait, what? That was months ago. That don't count. But that's how it worked no. in golf. Yeah, but so then when it comes down to it, like you're super invested. Do you ever see where like fans come from when they deal with their fantasy league and run up on players? Because like you truly are OD, like going step by step with them, invested day in and yeah. day out. Like, no, in fantasy, so in fantasy, like you set your time. Like, I have to remind myself to be like, yo, make sure I watch this. Like, yeah. This is just fantasy football. Make sure I set yeah. my set, set my picks. Like, damn. I'm going through like family, family emergencies with my players. Like, damn, all right. Like, let me see if you can bounce back two games. Like, I'm, you, you know what I'm saying? So, do you understand how somebody runs up on a player and be like, hey, bro, you fucking me up? I'm so glad you asked this question because we're going to talk about this in our topics today. And um, I've done it like maybe only one time where I mentioned fantasy to an athlete. So I ran into Tony Finau. It was in San Diego. It was on my birthday, like 2019. Steve That's let me my off. That's player of comparison. Okay, Tony Fina. <laughs> Steve let me out of practice to go to see Tiger in San Diego at the Farmers, which was at Torrey Pines. And so I picked Tony Fino that week. And when I ran into him, uh, we were talking. He was like in the middle of the plan. They had a little break. And I was like, man, I need you to kill this weekend. I got you in fantasy. And he was like, okay. But when he walked away, I was like, yo, that was not cool at all. But... <laughs> 
I really don't. I know how hard golf is. But what I will do is like Rory's my best, my favorite golfer. And he needs to win. He needs to win the Masters to complete the Grand Slam. He's won every major tournament except this one. And it's only four guys in the history of golf that have won all four of the major tournaments. Wow. And, and Rory's won the fifth major, the fifth major, they quote unquote call it, which is the, uh, the players. He won that a couple years ago. And so he needs this. And so it's pressure on him every year. And every year I kept picking him. And so I stopped picking him like, yo, I don't want to jinx him no more and put pressure on him. I need him to win because I picked him. I just stopped picking him like, yo, I'm not picking Rory. I'm not going to think about mm-hmm. it. I just need, like, just go play your why game. You, why you like Rory so much? Rory was the best golfer in golf when I picked, when I got the bug, when I like picked up golf, when I started like figuring mm-hmm. out like how to play, how to score. Like I was probably shooting the hundreds then anyway, but mm-hmm. like I was just obsessed with his swing. And he's like, Tiger Woods would say, he's teaching his son, like who he want his son to swing like, he wants his son to swing like Rory. And when oh, you wow. look at, when you look at Tiger's son, you see Rory, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's got some technical and stuff in there like his dad. And so Rory was my favorite golfer at that point. I just been following him ever since. Like, and he's the best driver of the ball, which is my weak point. And it's like when my when Lil Dre was growing up, my son, I was telling him shoot like Clay, don't shoot like Steph, because Steph has more like a push shot. And I knew Lil Dre would be six 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 seven, which he's there now. Yeah. And I was like shoot like Clay. And so if you want to learn how to have a swing, Rory's five nine, but you would oh, think yeah. he was six. You would think he was six four because he hits the ball the farthest actually. And in golf, it's the longer the width, the farther the ball goes. You know what I mean? And so he has this double torque in his uh, hips when he's swinging the club. And like any other golfer you ask, like who's the best golfer in the world, they will always say, if there's one golfer playing at his best, I know I can't be Roy. Every golfer says that, and they don't say it about nobody else. And so I'm just a, I'm just a Roy head. So I hope y'all enjoyed the Masters Week chat. Welcome back to another Episode of Point Forward, I'm Andre, that's E.T. Yes, sir, it's April, time's moving so crazy fast. Heard yeah. some folks like my random facts last week, so here's another random fact. This week marks the end of your last regular season, Andre. How do you feel about it? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. I mean, year 20 would be all right. And two, two old sounds good, but uh, we'll, we'll see how this year wraps up. Um, I'm very excited for uh what i am doing and i'm looking forward to getting to it i I can't spill the beans um and and what occurred last week with the cba um and seeing what's in the new cba uh this gets me excited for the future of uh, basketball players and our future after the game I mean, well, it's, a, it's a great door to, you know, walk through and, uh, you know, excited for you to retire and see what you do next. Before we get into this week's interview, this is where we remind you to look out for us on TikTok, IG, Substack, and the usuals at Point Forward. Also, make sure you're catching us on Apple, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to or watch podcasts. I'm excited uh, about our incredible interview uh, with my current teammate, Dante DiVincenzo. I think you all will enjoy Uh, But before that, E.T., there's one topic we'll dive into this week at the top of the show uh, before we get to Dante. Last week on the heels of the announcement of a new CBA, we had an MBPA executive director on the show, Tamika Tramalia. And yeah, there's been a lot of uh, info that's being like trickled out on the CBA um, last week. um, And there's been a a pretty good amount of 
conversation around what's included. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of speculation, um, a lot of things that have been, you know, folks been breaking it down. Uh, so this week we'll try to speak on as much as we can about the CBA and this being the point for a guide to the 2023 NBA collective bargaining agreement. Hope y'all enjoy. This topic is big and there's a lot of information. I can understand why some folks want to get the bigger picture or get caught up in a mixed up idea of what this all means. So Dre, I want to break this up into a few different mini topics and then let us know what this shit means and what we need to know. Yeah, I'll try as best as I can. You know, we'll try to include an explainer in this week's Substack as well. So make sure y'all follow us on Substack at point forward. Point forward. So off top, let's get into the essential stuff. Can you break down what the five biggest things that you want our listeners to know about this deal? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can have five top things uh, just because the deal hasn't been ratified. Um, so it's, it's not official yet. Um, it's agreed upon in principle, meaning there's always, you know, you got your A-level uh, topics, uh, discussions that, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, which is the system. Um, and then you get into BRI breakdown. Yeah. Um, and then you can get to like player health. You know, uh, there's so many things that uh, are like A-list. Then you have your B-list, which is it falls into the big topics that they're negotiating. But once they agree on all the bigger things, whether it be system, CBA, BRI, uh, you know, um, player, you know, health, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like C-level things or fine print things that they have to wrap up that um, they are small, but they still matter. And so um, they'll still be discussing those things uh, over the next few weeks, uh, but it's agreed to in principle, which is really exciting, especially the opportunity I feel like that the league has on both sides, you know, yeah. the league and the union, we're getting that TV deal done. And it's really hard to get a TV deal done when you don't have uh, an agreement in place between the players and the league. Um, so I guess well, the, like a big, a big topic that's been going on is, um, well, before you get into explain ratify, you know, for our listeners. So like, our players need to vote on it as well and everything like that as well. Like, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So um, obviously the the players as a league has to uh, vote on it. Uh, we have every, every team has a rep, player rep and an alternate. Yeah. So there's, you know, 30 player reps and then you have your board, uh, which is nine or is it, it's nine vice presidents and one of the nine is the vice president, uh, which takes place if the president, which is CJ McCollum, isn't available. Um, so the president is CJ McCollum and the vice president uh, newly appointed is Grant Williams. Um, so, uh, mm. We got, but we have a, a, a. I feel like a good board who's been in the mix for the last couple of years. Um, you know, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, um, that's a good group, man. I've been on boards where, you know, the board is usually the checks and balances of the CEO, uh, typically. And I've been in some uh, board meetings that got hostile in, you know, uh, the the level of. Of, of speaking, you know, it got loud, it got, uh, you know, pretty, you know, it got a pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Volatile, I don't know. I yeah, it was a little volatile, yeah, like it was, it was really tense. It was some tension yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they don't, guys, the people, folks don't want to give the CEO uh, the incentives that they would like or the contract that they would like or the stock options they would like. 
you know, RSUs, restricted uh, stock units, um, and how long they're tied up and when they can be vested, uh, or they're tied to certain metrics that are, you know, companies really couldn't uh, reach, or yeah. they were too easy to reach, you know, and it got really hostile in there. And I saw some yelling and cursing, but it's crazy. As soon as the meeting was over, everybody was shaking hands and having hugs. You know what I mean? And that was an eye opener for me because most of the time being in the business we're in, being athletes going up against, uh, you know, the billionaires versus the millionaires and that tension, not letting that emotion go once we leave the building and then coming in with an understanding like this is a partnership. And when the pot grows, we all have success. Um, and Tamika spoke on this as well. You know, what do you, how do you gauge the difference between that in regards to like, you know, business wise and like why athletes might not be able to turn off the emotion part, emotional part of it? Well, I think it's two sided. You know, on one side is I think we don't feel the respect um, from the other side, but I think it's warranted because we're not seen as businessmen. And another tough part of it is, you know, as players, we're, we're in and out of these negotiations in the middle of the season. You know, trying to, uh, you know, be basketball players and, and and grow the game with our talents and, you know, being locked in and engaged every single night, 82 games. And, you know, off nights for us is just for the brain to rest. And we still got practice and locked in and practice yeah. and film. And, you know, you're eating and you know how just everything around our world is can kind of get uh, overwhelming. And then you mix in uh, a very important document like the CBA. Um, but I was just really thankful for the group, you know, before yeah. we got into this, just speaking to all different guys in the group, you know, Harrison Barnes is treasurer doing an amazing yeah. job. You know, Jalen Brown, we all know about his brand and, and what he represents. Yeah, like I said, guy. he just yeah, gave yeah. the, uh, the yeah, speech on water at the, yeah. at the white house. You know what I'm saying? We just appointed, uh, J uh Jaron Jackson jr. Uh, his mother is the, um, executive director for the WMBPA for their union. Uh, so he has that pedigree and, uh, Donovan Mitchell just joined as well. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you, sometimes you get questions like, are y'all too busy to be trying to negotiate? And I think uh, we just done a really good job of delegating time yeah. amongst the group. Like, you know, these two guys joined this day because you don't have a game. Uh, yeah. Then the guys that had a game the next night may not be playing. Then they join uh, the calls. And so it's been a very uh, collaborative effort, uh, which made me real proud. You know, I've been through four CBAs and I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, you know, with, with, with the relationship between the players and the owners. And, uh, you know, Adam's being known, Adam's been known as a player's commissioner. And yeah. we spoke to Tamika about that. You got to be careful of, you know, not letting your guard down, but at the same time, it's still a partnership and trying to do yeah. what's best for the game and for the league. And, and so, you know, just having your best foot forward. And most important thing is just trying to get everybody, the most players as possible involved in every aspect, even the guys that may not be on the board or may not be a team rep, like you want to hear from everybody. All right, so then what's the next uh, best case for like the next or five or six years? Like what's the vision? Like as always say, like hindsight is twenty twenty. Like what do you, or like, what do you think will be with the, you know, with the union and the PA guys? Or like what do you hope to see for in the next five to six years? Yeah, just continue the growth of the game. You know, like I said, you know, can't speak on everything with it not being uh, official yet. Um, but the biggest thing is growing the game and how can we yeah. grow the game? You know, um, I just heard a really good podcast, uh, business of, uh, 
Business Breakdowns is a podcast I listen to, and it's everything in tech. Um, and like it had a company like Caterpillar on there, which is essentially a tech company, and how one mile per hour faster the tractor can go, and they could calculate that in real dollars, the difference between a tractor going five miles per hour versus six miles per hour. Like it's yeah. in millions and millions of dollars and it being autonomous and how much time that can save you. It's like, a, it could be a billion dollar uh, Different. difference. Yeah. And we talk about Isaiah Thomas, who was our first guest and how athletes, we don't think in seconds, we think in tenths, tenths of seconds, you yeah. know, and, and that's, a, that's a billion dollar uh, decisions being made there, you know, with, you know, the league looking to be a $10 billion annual uh, business uh, increasing at what rate every year, you know, whatever that rate is. And so um, you want to grow the game and what are different ways that you can grow the game. You want to be competitive. You know, you want to have competitive balance. I think that's why football has done a great job. You know, we have our advantages as basketball players being, you know, uh, you know, more marketable per se, because people identify with us by seeing us yeah. more. Um, and we're being second global sport after soccer and second American sport after football. And, uh, but football's done a great job because you yeah. get that, you know, it's only but so many games. Um, right. so it's any game, every game matters and we have 82, and, so you can get kind of lost in the sauce. And it's kind of like college vibes. You can, you can lock into a player, but not really. You kind of lock into a team. Like your team is who your dad's team was and so on and so forth. Like. You know, guys are doing a lot more changing in football now, so you might be able to switch. But technically, you see this: everybody in Mama got a Steelers tattoo on them. We from Chicago, like we damn there. We think because we moved to Arlington, we finna win a Super Bowl. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like we always hold it out. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. So, um, yeah, just like even like small things, you know, like um, I'm looking at other sports as well. Like I'm watching what F1 has been able to do to grow their presence in the states. Um, you know, with their Drive to Survive show on Netflix. And then, you know, uh, tennis is on there now with Breakpoint. And then golf is on there now with Full Swing. And, you know, how uh, I think F1 and the PGA are having uh, like programs or experiences where fans can be more engaged, engaged with the players and mm -hmm. what ways that uh, players can do, look into that. Even uh, like J.R. Smith's doing his thing with golf. And so you're now yeah, seeing hard. more. Yeah, yeah, like he like yeah. like yeah, like hard. he's done it. He's done an amazing job yeah. of, you know, having something after basketball that he has a passion about that he can continue to help to grow with, uh, even though he's a sandbagger. But but love, yeah. love, love, love JR. But, but also too telling his narrative. Like I don't think mm -hmm. people understand like how big of a deal it is for somebody like JR to tell his narrative because it's always been played by this, that, or the other. Even saying him saying, like, I think I'm one of the best three-point shooters ever. Like people are just like no, there's no way, there's no way. It's just like I think all like his reputation as a player was 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 somewhat you know messed up by some of his actions off the court that you know were just perceived that could be taken any type of way. But like we said with Isaiah Thomas as well, depending on who the editor is or the writer, that narrative is going to be you know told a different way. But it'll be dope to you know learn about his 4.0 GPA, mm -hmm. how elite of a golfer he is, how mm -hmm. you know from what the the, the the trailer was showing just like the humility of him just showing up and having to make the team. There was no like guaranteed part of him making the team. Yep. Having some random senior be like, hey, bro, like you got to earn this spot. It's my shit for real. Like I think it's going to show a lot of humility. And also too, just advance the athlete because 
like we said prior to, you're going to move on from basketball to, you know, going to different things. It's like the capabilities of, you know, uh, of an athlete or somebody that's, that has that type of discipline and grew up with that type of discipline and, and, and mental uh, toughness can push through and switch over and do a lot of different shit to affect in a, a positive manner. For sure. For sure. And shout out. To, oh, yeah. Shout out to Grove 23. Got a chance to play go, uh, MJ's courses. The hat. Um, I was just on. Uh, and I, this is a shameless, not a plug at all, because, yeah, I used to be with Nike and um, they just dropped a bunch of stuff uh, with Jordan. First time Jordan's apparel for golf dropped and it sold out in like two seconds. Like all I needed was the glove. I just needed the Jordan golf glove with the Jumpman signal uh, sign on it. And uh, I woke up at I was supposed to go get up and get it at 7 a.m. because uh, I don't I no longer get free stuff from Nike. But like I said, I play golf in Jordan golf shoes. Uh, if it's anybody out there that's gonna plug me, size 16 Jordan golf shoes. Um, <laughs> but um, oh, on a CBA too, um, which we we touched on. I think we've you know touched on a pretty good amount. Um, you know, it, it's been a good amount of conversation about uh, the new apron, the second salary uh, uh, luxury tax yep. cap, and um, from what I've been hearing, which has been uh, really interesting, is just like uh, especially from Warriors fans. Um, it's like a warrior CBA. And um, like I said, it hasn't been out yet, so I don't want to get too far into it, but I feel like it was more of a owner versus owner or governor versus governor conversation. And, um, you know, we always talk about narrative and perception and how the blame gets thrown on the players a good amount on things of this nature because it yeah. benefits the smaller market teams. And do you cap spending? Because you never want to cap spending. Um, and there are some things in the tournament or in the CBA that I don't like personally. Like what, um, the playing tournament? No, like I'm I'm I mean, not a fan. Or I'm not a fan in season. Like I'm, I'm, I'm personally not a fan of in season. And I'm pers I'm pro uh what's the right word? I'm pro plan paying the top guys the majority of yeah. the salaries, right? But I, yeah. as a union guy, I, you have to protect the middleman. And so yeah. having that understanding, you know, I would never try to push for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I take, you know, when I go into negotiations or I see something that's finished in this product in its entirety, I'm looking like, does, is, is everyone being served to its best capacity as we can at point in time? And so, um, so like, you know. So, so like, for instance, like, the best player, you, like for instance, Dame Lillard's gonna get sixty million dollars. Is that ne this year or next year? Next two years. Next year or two, yeah. So like, what you want him to get? Eighty five, a hundred. So like, in you my opinion, I mean? in my opinion, this is my opinion. Like this yeah, hasn't listening. been this hasn't been spoke about. I've never spoken about this in the CBA negotiation or with the union. Like I, this is not this is not my place to do that in that setting. But it's in my opinion that you know it starts with say LeBron, Steph, KD, right? You start with them. Yeah. Like, you know who, like the PGA has a um, yeah. player impact program. Yeah. It's like an extra amount of money. It starts at like first place gets 10 million and then it's tailored down from there. But like, we know who our largest influence are. It's LeBron, it's Steph, you know, you got your KD and then you got other guys in there. Yeah. And so- But, but, but and so, what would you, but using Nike and stuff, like don't you think endorsements is kind of like the reward for like all the top guys in the certain No, not really because- breaks, No. Because they're the reason- you know, they talked about the, the Mount Rushmore of the NBA, like who's responsible for the NBA success. And soccer has it. You know, the guys that 
bring in the eyeballs, you know, the, I, and I go back to the Mount Rushmore. It was started with David Stern, who was a lawyer in-house for Larry O'Brien, and he built a narrative around Magic and Larry Bird from the largest view basketball game ever, their NCAA tournament game, right? And he kind of built upon that. And then just lightning strikes on Michael Jordan and you build on that. So that's when your answer, Mount Rushmore. It was MJ, Magic Bird, David Stern. Um, but being at their build from that, I feel like, you know, LeBron should make 150 a year. I'm not mad at that. Steph should make 140 a year. And KD should make 140 a year. And then you kind of just tailor it down from there. And so I think, and I don't want it to get taken out of context, like I said before. No, I no, no, no. I, I, David Falk says it all the time. When you yeah. come watch a movie, you come in to watch Denzel, and you come watch his co-star, and then everybody else gets the scraps. They don't get they don't get no interviews, no nothing. You just call it a day and they're part of the movie, and you went Denzel, and Correct. you go on about it from there. Like I, Correct. I completely understand where you're coming Correct. from. It's the truth. Like nobody. And, yeah, right. Like, and, but even from there, like you can have exceptions. Um, and and I think the problem is sometimes where um a team like the Warriors might get screwed on this because you got, you know, you got all of you got guys who have credentials that maybe their slot of like the fourth or fifth guy might not make as much. Like you kind of kill the middle class a little bit. Yeah, but, but, it, but based on but, credentials, you can you can move up. And like those would be your exceptions. Like you got your Larry Bird exception, you got your uh yeah. mid-level taxpayer, non-taxpayer uh, mid-level. Like you got things like that to get certain guys a higher number, but because there's a lot of guys who are, who haven't won a thing or haven't really accomplished anything that is beneficial to winning, I think I think are overpaid, and I think that's what throws everything off a little bit. All right, so say you give a guy like, so say if it's off to be like, hey, okay, Brian gets 150 million. Say the ninth man is like, bro, okay, am I off for saying I'm I'm worth 10 percent of what LeBron is worth? The ninth man, no. The ninth man, you're getting 600000 right. my, my, my thing, my no, no, thing no, no, is... Feel, no, okay, no, I feel you. I'm trying to understand where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, from yeah, like yeah. The, like, the like my thing is... It because it's like, all right, it's, it's a dude, if a dude's asking for 5% of what Brian is getting and not saying that, but just salary-wise, is, is that too far off, far off to ask or just like, no, just keep it top-heavy? No, I'm not saying necessarily keep it top-heavy, but... We gonna reward the guy that's moving the needle, yeah. and yeah, right. I think that raises that raises your bottom because we're mm -hmm. having a problem with. I think we have too many guys in the league that shouldn't be in the league, and I've spoken about this before, and I think that's why the careers are shortening. Like we don't, and I think we got to do a better job of our feeder system. It's 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 been disrupted. Like the NCAA has been disrupted because they want to take all the profits and they don't know how to distribute it, or they don't want to distribute it. Not that they don't know uh, how. That's why you live in the NIL. Then you got NIL, which still isn't right. It's throwing everything off. Uh, and then you got uh, Overtime League, which I, do, I think is doing a great job. And uh, then you got other leagues you can go overseas. So there's so many ways that these high school kids can go and make money now, but it's watered down the pre-professionals, um, that, that group. Um, so you haven't been able to build a narrative around your players the way you used to. So now guys, like, yeah. you don't have a clue who your lottery picks are. Like, you might know the top two picks, but after that, it's like all guessing. And I think that's why we're missing. There's other reasons why we're missing as well. I think analytics plays a part in that. Like, we no longer value the eye test, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And and that's, and then it's like, you know, the veteran, are we 
devaluing the veteran as well. And, and we can't let that happen, but it's been happening. And so, um, like I said, um, that new second apron, um, I've been hearing a lot about. Uh, but if you go through the data historically, it's only been three teams that have passed that threshold on average, three teams. And so to say that it's a huge effect, um, I think there may have been, uh, you know, some confusion around that. But we'll never know. Like, we don't know who's right or who's wrong until we get through two or three free agencies. Okay, you know so what I mean? Because even yeah, through yeah, one yeah. one free agency, some might be out of whack and you blame it on the CBA and then it might turn it back to average or one CBA could be pro player or one free agency could be pro player. You'd be like, oh, we killed it. You know, know. And, are, you know, like the like the year that you got paid. You know, yeah, a lot of guys got CBA paid. Or like, then y'all was it similar to like when y'all ran through the finals? We didn't have enough TV. We right, had we only playoff, and it messed up the TV money, and then it kind of right. Yeah, then y'all mad like, at us. Then y'all mad no, at us because we swept no, in the finals. Are you talking about y'all had KD that year? Exactly. So everybody's I mean, I mad about see, that. That was amazing. I didn't see how y'all swept that year in the finals. I, I, that was a shocker. <laughs> that was crazy. Who's y'all have on that team that year? Some good players. No, I smart. We had smart players. We no, had smart built, players. No, yeah, we had smart the, players. Y'all built from the draft too. Took advantage yeah, of free yeah. agency. Like just yeah. a strong, uh, strong yeah. franchise organization. Was, but was Rick, I will. I, was Rick Welch there for that too? Rick Welch was there for that okay, too. Okay, cool. Oh, shout his, out to his, Rick Welch. Yeah, we had one of the best. Uh, we had the best. Uh, you know, business basketball mind, business sports mind. He just joined the new uh, National Women's Soccer League. Uh, the shout out to the Bay Area. Just got the expansion league for the uh, National Women's Soccer League. Really Turn looking up. forward to that. Uh, you know, Sixth Street led that. Sixth Street Capital led that round, um, and, and they're going to do some exciting things. But um, like I said, because you know, there's a caveat to everything. So you know, it's tougher for the Warriors because the Warriors could say, you know, we built all our players from the draft, and someone would say, but you ain't got KD. But Harrison Barnes, yeah, would Harrison Barnes would have got that contract, and you still be in the same situation. Um, so there, there are points to be made on both sides, but there's an extra, I say 10 million that, you know, those teams that feel like they're on the brink, but they know they're not quite there. They'll be reluctant to spend and not spend and stay below that, uh, salary cap level so they can participate in the, uh, the, the, no, the, um, the revenue share that teams get that stay below the cap that the teams that are above the cap have to spend on taxes. It's, it's a revenue share amongst the other teams below. So now that threshold is being raised. And so every team will have an extra nine, 10 million to spend. And it's 50, we get 50% of the pot. It's 50, 50% yeah. BRI to players, 49% to the governors, 1% to our benefits packages. And um, that 50% got to be spent on us regardless. And so as long as we keep raising that pot, you know, everyone continue to get paid. But like I said before, to make our league stronger, um, I think we got to raise that bottom. So it'd be interesting to see. Point forward. Today we are joined by a guy who a lot of people believe should be on the Mount Rushmore of Hoopers from the great state of Delaware. But he's been a champion at every level since high school. My teammate on the Golden State Warriors and one of the white players who truly belongs in the NBA. <laughs> Y'all welcome Dante DiVincenzo. So we have... One of the top players from Delaware ever. And walk me through how you got to sit where you're sitting right now on point four. Like, how did you end up here at point four? 
Um, like going way back. Okay, wherever you like, want to start. How'd you like, end up on point forward? Um, I kind of felt some type of way. I saw my guy on the podcast, uh, Bones, and Delaware guy. And I was like, I was like, damn, Delaware guys on the podcast. I can't get on the podcast. I'm teammates with Andre. It's it was crazy. So that's how that's how I ended up here. I gave you know I gave you some shit for it. I love that answer. I had to. I felt some type of way. Now to follow up, since you want to, you have stories about your other fellow Delaware statesman. My man jumped out of a burning building and he made it to the league. So <laughs> yeah. you got to walk me through your most adverse moment in life. Listen, my 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 basketball career has been super uh, kind of weird. Honestly, I played soccer. Like I want to dive into that. Like I, I played yeah. soccer growing up. Like I really only played basketball December and January, um, like CYM type shit, um, and then like at the park with my brother in the summertime. Like all year round, I was playing soccer since I was like three years old. Since um, three, yeah, I was. I was traveling. We were number one team in the country. Like, like, yeah. My my travel coach and all my travel teammates went to the high school that I was like actually went to, mm -hmm. and I was gonna go there to play soccer and everything. Mm -hmm. And decided I was like, you know what? No, I want to. I want to hoop. Like, I want to really turn to hooping. And my my parents are like, all right, cool. Like, but you sure? Like, you can do both. And I just I just played soccer because I was good at it. So you stopped playing soccer when you start hooping. Like so I was hooping kind of like I was I was hooping, but it wasn't like I wasn't playing AAU ever. Right. I wasn't playing no travel nothing. Like it was CYM, like practice twice a week and that's it. And then during that time of playing CYM basketball, I would go play indoor soccer after practice. Yep. So my parents were driving all over just to play soccer like all the time. And then getting into high school, I was like, you know what? I just want to hoop and. I went to a high school that was number one or two in soccer in the country. Now, I can figure out the proper way to pronounce the school. Salesianum. Damn. So people just call it Sally's. Yeah, people call it just Sally's. Sally's. Yeah, it's short. Um, but they were known for lacrosse, baseball, football, and soccer. Mm. And they were never, like, they never won a state championship in basketball. Um, really never really had anybody really go there for basketball and uh we won state championships the first ever my junior year and then back-to-back -back junior senior year wow and then that's like i really didn't know like I'm, i got my first offer i started really hooping like my freshman year of high school and then i got my first offer in my sophomore year of high school from LaSalle in philly and then it kind so, of I mean, that, that's yeah. still pretty good brother get an yeah. offer as a sophomore from yeah. LaSalle i mean that's that's big time because most students don't really get offers to a junior year. So what gave you the gumption that like was were people pushing you like yo Dante you can really hoop dog why are you playing soccer or like was it like no. the the soccer hate that we have in America like bro nobody gives a damn about soccer <laughs> in America go hoop like, I think you know it was the music affecting him what kind of music was you listening to <laughs> we saw them tweets <laughs> and I, and now that I know you I forgot all about that I I really didn't like you at a moment in history of my I, life I, but I didn't know you listen now it no, all I, checks out. I no, a, I saw him when I seen him. I'm like, bro, this dude ain't like like he not racist or nothing. Yeah, like, he, I knew he was like that. How he was, I'm like, bro, he really think he like with the shits. He not. But there's also this way. a lot of yeah. tweets that came out that were not me. Gotcha. And my boys in high school, like, they thought they were funny. 
I deleted the Twitter app. I didn't delete the Twitter. Oh. So, like, we would have practice at school. Like, from school to practice, there'd be downtime. We'd be messing around, blah, blah, blah. You know how it is in high school. You just mess with yeah. it. You know, like, right. I'll get on your phone and send a text to somebody or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Came out. There was some wild stuff that came out, and I didn't know about it until the championship. Oh, okay. So, we, I had just had the game of my life. Yep. Championship. Yep. And the media comes up. It's like, hey, did you say this? I'm like reading it out loud in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like reading it. Coach Wright was like, what? Like, I was like, no, I never said, like, I really, truly never right. said no, this. I believe you. And um, some wild stuff. And um, yeah, that was like, I declared for the draft. I'd explain it to every team I had an interview with. It was crazy. And and I think that's um, that's 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 something you go through. Like they kind of can build character, like just facing yeah. some nonsense. And you know we have this. Uh, we've had this new introduction to this new theme we have here. You know, called you know cream. Like, would you like cream with that? Like cream with your coffee. And it's just you're the minority. You're the minority now. You know what I mean? Yeah. In this world, but you're really entrenched into the entrenched into the culture. You know, from your swag to. You know the people you like just the things you like and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that you know like you are who you are like i can tell you're not one of those guys who's trying to be black you're just a person who enjoys what you what you enjoy like somebody called me sensitive the other day because i've been referencing a lot of scissor songs or whatever like you and your feelings i'm like i I just like scissor like you are who you are you're a natural like you naturally are are who you are and so going through that you know how have you how has that affected your interactions with other folks, whether it be GMs or, or high-end organization or with your teammates, you know, kind of how has that been for you? Um, I mean, it's kind of easy for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really bring up any of that stuff. Um, I, I mean, just in terms of like who you are, like you're just a naturally cool dude. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Think, you like the music you like and you dress the way you'd like to dress. And you know, we get stereotyped all the time, like as athletes, as African-Americans, and just the swag you have, has that changed your interactions with some white foot people and some black people? You know what I mean? Because that's a, I think that's a real question. Yeah, I think, and I, I feel like you, you both have this. Like it's like a skill to be able to adapt to your environment, right? Um, and I think that's something that. Would you say I don't try to act a certain way? I am who I am, right? And in my comfort zone, you know, in the locker room, whatever, whatever it is at home, like. I am who I am. I'm not going to change. But like when you go into a professional setting, mm-hmm. there's certain ways to dress. There's certain ways to talk. There's certain ways to carry yourself. Um, and you have to be able to adapt to that because mm-hmm. you can't come in saying, you know, if I come in the locker room and talk to you for five minutes, I can't go up into the front office and talk to Bob the exact same way. Right. It's just, yeah. you just, that's not the way you handle yourself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time is both of those situations are me. Like right. if I go up and talk to Bob, I'm not being not authentically like myself right like, i'm still myself mm-hmm. it's just in a different you know in a different setting that's mm-hmm. all and i think that's a skill that people um i think i have and you know a lot of guys in the league have to be able to adapt to different settings mm-hmm. nice so was that kind of like like we said we call you know playing off the words of cream we, they call villanova like vanilla nova was that type of situation of going into Villanova, was that adjustment for you? Because clearly it's a private school. Uh, we were both from Philly, so I'm definitely understand what type of demographic is over there and, you know, the personality over there. What, what was your time like 
at Villanova and, and, you know, adapting to, you know, leaving Delaware for the first time and really going to a big, big city? It was, it was just like my high school, to be honest with you. My yeah. high school was the Dope. exact same, Interesting. but it was in high school. I went to all boys school. I went to okay, me too. all boys, me too. all boys Catholic yeah. school. Um, and then I went to Nova. It was like the exact same. You just add girls. Right. And yeah. it was a small school. I think it was like 6,500 undergrad. Um, so to that point, it was it was kind of very similar. Like my friends were my teammates um, in high school and my friends were my teammates in, in college. Like you spend so much time with those guys. Yep. You yeah. really don't have time. Like if y'all yeah. do anything, y'all do it together. Dinner, you go out, you going out together. Like you're not like – there's there's also a skill like dudes that I play with like Mikhail, he was friends with everybody on campus, mm. and I'm like, bro, how do you get to interact with all these people? Like, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. And he's yeah. like, he's just gone. Like, he's like, I'm going with Michael to go get pizza and this and that. I'm like, who? Like, <laughs> right. I just hung out with my teammates. Yeah. Um, but so it was very similar to to my high school, but still an adjustment for me because I, I really wasn't fully adjusted to my high school because I went to public school growing up mm. until uh, high school. What about the adjustment when you showed up on campus? I mean, you come from Delaware. Obviously, you're very decorated. Um, and, you know, you had a great career, back-to-back championships, but now you're stepping up to a new notch in competition level. And you came in with Jalen, you know, Jalen Brunson, who was also, I believe, what, National Player of the Year. Yeah. He he just yeah. came from Team USA, yeah. being All MVP American of like the yeah U eighteen mm-hmm. game, and you had Ryan Arthur. Was Ryan there? or Did he just leave? Ryan, out? yeah. So my freshman year was his senior year. So yeah. Like, so I, I mean, oh, yeah, and, the, and the championships mm-hmm. and everything like that. Like you weren't stepping on and going to like University of Delaware or going to for LaSalle. Sure. You're stepping on going to like a real sure. blue blood. Yep. And that's and that's the thing. Like yeah. with Jalen, like bro, that's hard. Like not. It's, I was I lived with him like he was my roommate. Yeah. So and he was a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no matter where we went, right, it was Jalen and that guy. Yeah. And that was like that was the first time in my life. I'm like, damn, I'm really like I'm that guy. Like I'm not little bro. Yeah, like it was crazy. <laughs> but there was a point where I was like, yeah, fuck it, fuck this. Like I want to go somewhere else. Like honestly, and and but Jalen was. You know what helped our relationship so much was he never carried himself that way. Mm. Like he never did. He always did the whole like put me out there, say my name, shout me out, like build me up. Um, and it wasn't in a way to be like to defer from him. Mm-hmm. It was just he knew what situation he was walking into. Gotcha. And uh, you know we lived with we lived with each other throughout college, and you know like we best friends now. So it's yeah. that, that helped our relationship for sure. You said you wanted to transfer? You wanted to leave? <laughs> I wanted to leave, yes, for sure. I wanted to leave. I wanted to go to Temple. This man lost why? his mind. I wanted to go to Temple, huh? That's this man crazy, lost. He wanted to live in the hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a bunch of reasons. You know, just situation in Nova, it's, it's, it, it takes a very uh, particular player and person to be able to have success there. And you got to be yeah. really, really mentally strong. Like, um, and you don't understand it until you leave. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. The best thing is, you know, Coach Wright was like, "Nah, you're not, you're not transferring." Like, that's the best thing that happened to me is like we really had those conversations, and he was like, "You need to stick it out and figure this out." And then, you know, a couple months later, I declared for the draft, 
But right. that's crazy. I didn't understand any of that stuff until afterwards, and now I can talk to them on the phone, and we we talk about things that you know that like changes your whole perspective. Right. Um, but when it comes to basketball, I am a little bit crazy. Like, and I think you have to have that. Yep. Um, I think I do a good job yeah. of adapting to, like I said, um, my environment, my setting. But it also goes to like basketball, mm-hmm. like figuring it out in the game. Like I was never, even in high school, like I was never the top scorer on the team. So like, how do I figure out how to one win the game, but two, how do I be productive? Right. Like, how do I make a name for myself? Um, so like each team I've played for so far, like it's been, there's always a, you know, a challenging period of trying to figure that out. And mm-hmm. then once you figure it out, you're like, damn, like he can actually do this. It's just, it's just being able to adapt to whoever else is on the floor. Cause I'm never that first, second, third or fourth guy on the floor. Right. Right. But I mean, you go look at the, what you did in college, mm-hmm. but I didn't start. I came off the bench. So you were final four, uh, MVP, right? Yeah. And that was all from coming off the bench. Yeah, Jalen got in foul trouble in the championship, and I went in early. And then Mikhail, like, first play, he dribbled handoff with me. I hit a three, and I just got cooking. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. never was a scorer. Like, I always was – Jalen was doing post-up, Mikhail shooting threes. Like, I was getting offensive rebounds and just driving and passing to people. Because yeah. you averaged, like, 13 a game or something like that, right? It was like – Yeah, so, I was, yeah, it was like – I was, like, the right. third leading scorer on the team or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But Jalen was, uh, like, 19 or something. Mikhail yeah. was, like, 18. So, like, yeah. those dudes did all the things. Mm-hmm. Like, I was never in the, the, the spotlight for any of that, and I never wanted to be. That's the thing. It was, like – it was that fine line of, like, when I got 30 in the championship, like, my whole life, like – blew up and right. I was like man it's cool but like nah, I like being solid like yeah. <laughs> I like being yeah, solid people. right in the mix that's all yeah. nah but it got you right to where you need to go because mm-hmm. uh, obviously you were able to get drafted but it said a lot about your tone and like what type of player you were you're a blue collar dude that was tough to really stick it out and you had those superstars but the stuff that you did helped win national titles and clearly to this yeah. day it's been helping a lot with the teams you've been on for sure so. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll jump into that. You know, just coming into this profession of the NBA and, and, and everything that comes with it, you know, what were some of your first memories in terms of <laughs> not just playing an NBA, being an NBA player, but what was your mindset like, like day to day? Like, what were you thinking? You know, I'm going to be here for a long time. I can't wait to do this. You know, off the court, like, how did it change your life and how you thought? Um... You don't realize how hard the NBA is until you really are in the NBA, like in it, mm-hmm. um, like the daily grind of everything. When you're young, it's the worst. It's like you playing play group, you're doing shoot around practice. Everything the team does, you do, and then you're doing everything more. Yeah. It's like all the rehab guys, if you're young, you're thrown into everything. Yeah. And then you go into the, like, you play a G League game. I remember I played a G League game, drive back, you playing an NBA game at night. Yep. Like, yeah. Like, you're constantly like, you're like, why Why is it like this? I'm tired. How do you want me to be productive if I'm exhausted? Right. And then, like, you know, treatment times, like, you're the first one there. You're mm-hmm. the last one to leave. And when it works out, everybody's like, oh, you're the first one in the gym, last one to leave. Oh, great story, this and that. It's like, bro, I had no choice. Like, right, right. Yeah. Like, that's just how it's set up. Um, and that was the hardest part was, like, doing all that 
and being in like a cold city like Milwaukee, mm-hmm. like there's not much to do. Right. It's an amazing city, but there's not much like activity stuff to do. So like right. it's it's literally like hoop and chill. Right. Which is perfect for me. It was the perfect spot to start my career. There was not many distractions. Well, what was it like when uh, you guys went on that championship run and you were injured? Because there's not much to do, and, and you're a big athlete, you're a big competitor, and you know you're 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 getting injured, or you have to sit out and do rehab while some of the most exciting times and of the season are going on. Yeah, I I remember. I don't know when it was. I heard Andre was talking about like the NBA brought some of the darkest moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was by far the darkest moment for me because. I started every game during the season. I was like a a key piece to that yeah, team, yes. like everybody thought. And then I get hurt. So I'm thinking like, you know, the the vibe is like everybody's down, right? And we yeah. sweep Miami and everybody's like, yeah. all right, cool, we survived Miami. But we're missing something. Like that was the vibe. Like we're missing a piece. Right. So like how far is this going to go? When we kept winning, I kept getting deeper and deeper in the hole. Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't and it wasn't that I didn't want to win and it wasn't that I was selfishly like I don't want them to win because I'm not on the floor but naturally everything starts to you know mm-hmm. go into your head like do they really need me like yeah. was I like and then you start questioning everything you did throughout the year yeah and I was like I'm not trying to do this rehab stuff. I ain't trying to do this. Like right. I just was like in a dark, dark place. Um, and and think, it was tough. I think we should unpack that more, or we yeah. should unpack that now. We always talk about that ET. Yeah. When somebody get hurt, or when you get hurt, you looking at that schedule. Yeah. Like man, it does not look good if we win and I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that, and as as a real competitor and somebody that knows basketball, say like, no. To be honest, they don't if they're winning. As a coach, if it's not broke, why fix it? You, mm-hmm. you don't really have any real argument or anything like that. But I think we're just getting to the the beginning of, like, unpacking because it's deeper than just getting hurt. Like, right now my man's is in a situation he shouldn't be in. He should be making 15 and $16 million a year. Correct. So not only did he get hurt after help leading them, help set a tone, everything like that, he got traded off. They brought in another cream. He had to go – Thug it out in Sacramento, who literally is still trying to figure out which way is what during that time. And that weighed on me. It out. That yeah, weighed on me, come. too. Like, I got yeah. traded to sack twice. Yes. So I, and everybody forgets that I got traded for bogey. The right. season. Oh, yeah. So I got yeah. traded to Sacramento twice. Yeah. So I, I got, I, when I got the sack, I was like, I'm going to be here for forever. Like, right. That's, this is my new home. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, they didn't give me a qualifying offer. So, like, yeah. now I'm back in this place where I'm like, wait. And you're like, start, And I'm, yeah, and like. I'm just coming back off my surgery. Yeah. So I'm just questioning everything. And as a starter, yeah. you make a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. No. He, like you're he saying, he earned money, bro. He you're, shouldn't even be in that position. It's, it, it's, it's, he like, really shouldn't be here right do, now. Yeah. When I seen him do that and you're going to be fine. When I see yeah. him do that, I'm like, bro, they really finna do him like that yeah. after all he just did. Like, but deeper than rap. And that's, and that's the, that's the tough part of everything of the, you know, the daily mm-hmm. ground in the NBA. Cause you really got to understand the business factor. Cause mm-hmm. like, as as messed up as it seems as players, like you earn a certain amount of money and you do a certain thing, like from a business standpoint, it makes sense for the team to do certain things the team does. Correct. Like, so like 
from when I was in my situation in Milwaukee, like, yeah, that was like, I was due, I was up for an extension. I was looking at a certain amount of money and this and that, but I get hurt. Everything changes, yeah. whether you like yeah. it or not, yeah. everything changes. Yeah. yeah. Rightfully so. Cause from a business standpoint, why would you, you don't know what I'm going to come back. Correct. You know what I mean? Correct. So like, but then they, you know, from the business standpoint, they find somebody that's healthy, that can shoot the ball, can, you know, balance. And then let's see when Dante is when he comes back. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. but it was so, for, for me, it was like, it was so, my mindset, my rehab was, you know, it plays a factor is yeah. you got somebody that's new coming in in your position and you're in rehab. Do you take your time or do you try to get back? Because you know I'm going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. So do you not rush, but do you speed up your process or your rehab to get back to produce? But if you don't produce, like, did you rush your rehab yes. or do you take your time? Yes. And stretch that out and be really 100%, but you only played 15 games at the end of the year. Correct. And then that's a yeah. knock on you. So it's like, you, it's that balance every yeah. day. It's tough. Yeah. yeah, it's only but so many Elton Brands and Estefanskis where you know, <laughs> tell your Achilles, you still get the max off of six, yeah, seven right. games. But you said something that kind of like raised my eyebrows. When you were saying you understood the business side and you understood like, if I'm in a position as a team, I got to make a decision for the, for my business and you understand it as a player, which is tough to do. Here's my issue. This loyalty thing we get from fans and we got more money than ever because of what gambling and, and, uh, and what do they call it? Gaming has brought more money. It's brought more viewerships. I just read the numbers coming from Christmas day where the NFL got a bump in, uh, the, you know, this is one of their few Christmas day games and they had a uh, higher view. I think it was, it was like 24. 27, 27 was yeah. one game, 24. Yeah, yeah, 24 was million was the average. Yeah, yeah. But the NBA numbers went up by 20% too. Yeah. And they're seeing that the more, now that they have in-game betting, mm -hmm. the viewership goes up with the more betting and people are going to continue to bet. And with that comes more uh, negative energy from the fan base. Sure. Like, Famous Los is my guy, but I even see Famous Los. Like, he'll have his picks. Like, he has seven scenarios. The prop bets, stuff. His prop bets. Mm -hmm. And then his last one doesn't hit. And he's like, man, Looney just needed one more layup yeah, and yeah. I would have won. Yeah. And it's just that energy that brings it to it. And so you get that loyalty thing from fans and saying a guy's not loyal. But that's we always talk about that. It's the wealthy versus the rich when we go to collective bargaining agreements. is where they want us to understand a team's business moves. You know, we talk about that with the Warriors and, and equity with certain figures who have helped build that, even though he's being compensated, according to the CBA, his value is more than that. And we have to understand it from a business perspective. But the moment that that guy decides to leave, he's disloyal to the fan base. And that's what I, it's just, it's just a sad thing. And I guess it's, you know, they always say that's what you get paid for. You get paid to deal with the nonsense. But at some point, like people need to know, like, this is. That's kind of some bullshit for and, real, for real. But also on the other side, I think the winning, like if you're winning, like use, uh, like I just want to use like GP as an example, mm -hmm. right? No one's going to fault him for going elsewhere in free agency. Yeah. Solely because like he came here, he yeah. helped win a championship. Yes, he did. He did his job. Yes, he did. And now he's, you know, he's getting paid what, mm -hmm. what he deserves to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, now if that happens and you know, you're losing, then now you got certain fans, you got certain people that feel some type of way because you guys lost. Now you're taking money to go elsewhere and not try to win here. I think that plays the winning factor plays into it 
for my situation was like we won right. and I'm hurt. Right. Now it's like, man, we don't need him. Right. Like, and I'm like, yeah. man, like, do y'all need me? Like, I'm really thinking about it. And the games that we going to the next year that we would lose, I knew it was proud because I felt good. Like yeah. I was like, yeah, they're missing something. Like yeah. they're missing me in this situation or whatever. And then they would win, and I'd be like, damn. But it wasn't. It wasn't a selfish thing. It wasn't like I wanted mm -hmm. them to lose. It was just like I want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. I want to feel like wanted and, and involved in winning games there. Mm -hmm. And that's 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 the battle. Well, I think this is kind of the conversation is <clears throat> going there. So I'm gonna kind of stay here. How have you been able to deal with it and keep this calm, evenness about yourself? Where it, I don't see you pressing mm -hmm. when you're out there in the court. Like the other night, you came to the bench and you said, "Man, I feel like Draymond out there." You had seven assists yeah. and seven rebounds. You was like, "Bro, I can't score, but I feel like I'm doing everything to win." Yeah, and which is a different. It's a cool feeling to have, but at the same time, it's only but it's only but Draymond who can be properly compensated for winning. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, if you're not scoring a lot of points, your winning ways aren't compensated. And that's why, you know, Draymond's very appreciated because he's able to be compensated for playing the right way, mm -hmm. which is not normal in the NBA. And so staying with kind of with that theme early in the year, this year you weren't playing as much. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we were trying to figure out our second unit, uh, the minutes up, minutes down. You know, Jermichael going through the same thing. You know, that second group, we couldn't figure out the balance of it, sending Wise down to the G League, trying to figure that this and that out, playing on the road. But your play of recent is telling everybody that you're going to play a whole lot for us and it's going to happen. But I never seen you waver through it all. Like you've been the same, same amount of work. You even had a little injury you had to deal with, you know. But in saying all that, you know, how how have you been able to have this very professional approach? And you're still young. Like yeah, for people sure. forget, like, you know, you have a, a maybe it's the cream of you. People <laughs> see you as older and more mature, but you have this mature way of you know, going about your business. So let's just talk about that. Um, it, it's not easy. Right. I'll tell you straight up, it's not easy. Like, yes, I you're right. Like I appreciate you, that. If you brought my girl on the podcast, like she probably tell you a hundred stories. Like when I go home and just right. like, you know, unload. Like, right. But that's my, you know, that's, that's, that's my house. That's my mm -hmm. safe space. That's where, you know, get it out. Mm -hmm. And then you come into work and you're a professional. Um, but for me is, you know, there's a lot of things that I do that um, the frustration comes from because, you know, a lot of things I, I think I do that don't still show up in the stat sheet. Mm -hmm. Like, I make a lot of the, the hockey assist type mm -hmm. passes yeah. or, you know, the screen assist type things or just little things. And if you understand basketball, um, I think they're valued. Mm -hmm. um, but to the average fan, you, you know, I think the NBA has turned such to, you know, analytical and, and you know the percentages and this and that and going right. left going right can he do this blah 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 um but i think my approach this year which is different is i'm not worried about anything mm -hmm. like i was i was like oh for three or four from three before the shot in portland mm -hmm. i had no i like it just didn't register like i didn't think about it mm -hmm. at all and i think this year is like good play bad play like i don't care mm -hmm. i'm just gonna be me um and I think that's really helping me. Um, my agent is freaking awesome. Um, shout out Jason Glushon. Like he will hit me and talk to me about like, man, just be, like, you know, keep right. doing what you're doing. Yep. Good day, uh, bad day. Yep. I'm gonna come back and keep shooting them tomorrow. Keep doing this tomorrow. Like, it's never you need to do this. You need to turn this around. Like. 
because that puts added pressure on you. Like, yes. we got enough pressure on ourselves. Like, one, I got enough pressure on me because of the, you know, what E.T. talked about, like, the situation that I walked into. Like, right. you know, you take a certain amount of money to come to a, a team where you need to prove yourself mm-hmm. to get back to where you think you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's enough pressure in itself. So then... <laughs> Now you're going to every game. I can't be like, oh, I was, I was one for three from three today. I need to be, you know, two for yeah. three tomorrow. Right. right. I'm going to play awful. Right. So yeah. just coming in and not caring and, not and you know, just, just hoping and seeing what happens is is the beauty. I think we had a back-to-back. I scored Charlotte. I scored zero points. I was over five. Came back next game, had 19. Right. Like five for eight from three. Yep. Like, yeah. I didn't care. Yep. I just was like, you know what? They going up. Good looks. They going up. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's how I, that's how I kind of play now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And one thing I think I saw a clip you wave Clay off so you could guard Dane, <laughs> and it literally I mean that sounds like nothing because you're such a competitor. Yeah. But when you, when you break it down, Clay is historically the lockdown defender. You wave them off like crunch time, like I got it, and like you pick them up at half. You know, you pick them up at three, you pick them up nowhere, and you legit were intent. That's the, but you the, know the, the battle. The beauty here is like how much confidence. Yeah. that Steve instills in me to guard t- the top guys. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's not like you look at, you know, when Steph is out, Wiggs is out, you look at the matchups before the game. Like, it's helping Clay be productive on the offensive end if I can exert energy guarding on the defensive end so he doesn't that's have true. to do certain things. Right. So it, it helps the team, but it also what sometimes coaches don't realize is how much confidence it's giving me mm-hmm. where, like, when we come in the timeout at the end of the game, he's like, yo, you got Dane. I was like, bet. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. I got Dane. Yeah. Like, yeah. and he's cooking. He got 30 or something like yeah. that. Like, so it just makes you want to play that much harder and that much, like, you can't mess up. And yeah. I think when you build, like, a lot of these, like, different coaches and stuff, there's there's situations where, you know, confidence is, is, a, is a hell of a thing. Yes. And you can take it or you can really instill it in, in players, especially like you said, I'm still young. Yes. Like I still I'm not I'm not ten plus years where I'm like, you ain't gonna affect me. Like you still gonna affect me. Yeah. Naturally you're gonna affect me what you say to me. Yes, sir. Um I may not show it, but like in my game I may show it. So that's the yeah. that's the thing, is like the beauty of being here is like, hey, you got so and so. It's like, damn, cool, I got him. Right that. So our next thing, we always move into a segment called Guns and Butter, and it's basically discussing, you know, the decisions, the small micro decisions we made that might not seem like a big deal now, but pay large dividends, you know, later. And I know you already mentioned a few things, but, and you're still transitioning, but what's something else that, you know, you, you can really attribute to where you're at now and, you know, continue to elevate? Um, taking care of my body. I came yeah. into the league, I didn't know what a, you know, cold tub was, or, <laughs> um, you know, right. nutrition was. Like, I was like, man, I'm cool. I'm going to I'm gonna play tomorrow, and that's what I did. Now, man, I need everything. Like, <laughs> you just need it. Like, yeah. And you just have an understanding, like, if you eat, if you eat like shit for a couple of days in a row, you're going to feel like shit. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. Um so that was that's the biggest thing for me is you know um you know dot actually told me um health is wealth sean livingston yes Mm -hmm. and it just sticks up here yep like he said it to me we were talking i don't know i think i messed up my hamstring or something and when he said it to me like everything kind of like stopped i was like damn no he's right like 
it don't matter what you do, how productive you are in a short amount of time. But like, as long as you healthy, like this shit can last so long in right. the league. Mm-hmm. And that's what really, mm-hmm. that's what really started clicking for me is like, man, you gotta really take care of your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. And, and you know, we have this joke, like we used to joke about uh, David Lee. And David Lee would always, whenever he saw another white player on the court, like he was about it. And that was, you know, I had my qualms with David Lee. Good dude, though. Yeah. But that was one thing I truly loved about him is that when he saw another white dude, he was like, he's he's mine tonight. Like, I'm going to have the big night. And in saying that, we talk about race and, you know, we talk about the cream of it all, the cream of the coffee. How has it been for you as a minority in, in this sport? And then how do you approach it? And is there like a competitive undertone to going up against other white players in the NBA? We're talking about like American white, not like the Europeans, but yeah. like just. I think for for me is like what, what, um, what he said about like, I got him tonight. Mm-hmm. It's less of that for me. And it's more of like, like Pat, when Pat was on the team, like to have other white people on the team, it bugs me. <laughs> it bugs me. Like, I love them to, I love Pat to death. Like, yeah, but, the, but they will always catch you. Like, the uh, the team, like, PR guy, y'all always be if, walking yeah, in. Yeah, we I'm always like, walk damn. in. That's my guy. But it's always like the white guys. Right. I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> like, that bugs me. Like, I mess with Ty all the time. I'm like, Ty, you're light skinned. Like, I'm the only white guy on the team. Like, and that's, but like, to that, it allows me to play with a chip on my shoulder. Like, going into the game right. every night, like, Oh, you know how it is. Like you're going to attack the white dude first. Mm-hmm. It's just naturally how it's going to be. So, if I know on the opposing scouting report, like we're not calling Dante up in the pick and roll. Good. Yep. You ain't want. I'm, I'm not going to be an adjustment. Yep. Like I don't want to be an adjustment. Like yeah. I want to be able to red switch guard everything. And if I'm that, I fit in and I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's more so of like if I see him on the other team, I'm cool. See him with my team, I'm like, hey, bro, we got a conversation. <laughs> no, it's funny you say that, though, because I, I spoke about this early in the year in one of my earlier press conferences, and I was saying, you know, it's like it's like a hood pass. It's like a white pass in the league. Like, all right, white dude legit. Like, Kevin Love. Like, we got, yeah. we got players. We were just talking about this. Yeah. Right, like, like Austin yeah. Reeves. Uh, but, like, when I saw you in the bubble – I remember after the game, we played y'all in the bubble when I was with Miami, and I was like, yo, white dude can hoop. I think, because when I see you initially, man, as soon as you catch the ball, press up into him hard and, and see what yeah. he can do. They, and they normally fall. Like, they normally, you normally out yeah. there to shoot, and you shot one from deep so comfortably. I'm like, it's like that. And I'm like, all right, I'm in him. He ain't going to get a shot off. And then next time I try to get in you and you drove, I'm like, oh, he got but it. That's the thing I love. Like, when you, like, what you just said is, I'm not a shooter. Like, bro, I'm you can sh- you a shooter, I, bro. You can bro, shoot. I'm not yeah, a shoot. shooter. I'm watching. Style. I'm watching you work out, bro. And I'm you were. My son came to practice, sure. and I said, "Watch Dante's legs on his shots. Like you shoot from deep, effortlessly because your legs are like into your shots." But I just don't like. I don't like if you were like if I checked in on a court and you were like he's a shooter. That's everything to me because I love it because now I wouldn't call you a shooter. Though. What right. I want to do. I'm with you. 
what I want to do is exa- call me a shooter. Yeah. Because I'm a, as soon as you crowd up, I'm going to go past you yeah. and I'm going to get Jordan or somebody yeah. a wide open yeah. three and I'm running down the other end. You a hooper. Like, yeah, but, that's, yeah, that's but you're good enough. Like 35% three-point shooter is very lethal with your skill set. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, people don't yeah, realize, though, and this is our, like guarding on one end and then having to like knock down shots on the other is hella hard. Oh, yeah. You can <laughs> it's hella yeah, hard. Yeah. It's different it when you guarding like the worst player on the court on the other end. But when you coming down, you guarding one or two. Like, oh, I know. That's tough. That's tough. Eight years and in Philly. Got, yeah. <laughs> and they told me I wasn't scoring enough, but I had to stop that the best player. <laughs> and I still got ended up with 20, which is, yeah. Yeah. And, and then Wiggs was talking about that, too. It's tough. You know, Wiggs got into the playoffs last year. He was like, man, the playoffs are easy. And he was like, I had mad energy. And he was saying, you know, during the regular season, I'm guarding everybody. Man, I'll be tired. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't be having the energy to go crazy on offense. Like, I'm yeah. tired. And people just don't get that, you know, that two-way player thing that has, is, is, is more rare than ever now in our game. I think that's helping us, per, like our team personally. Because if you think about Wiggs, Clay, yep. me, JK, yep. like you got yes. like yes, you got guys that can just be like, all right, you you need a break. Like yep. I always talk about JK all the time. Like yo, you picking a fool, you need one just to give you a break. Yeah, like I'll pick up a fool, you yeah. relax one yeah. possession. Now you come back and yeah. guard again. Um, I think that's really gonna help us for sure. And I'm saying I'll help you, especially with the Celtics. It's a lot of scores over there. Yeah. Like that interchange was going to make for a hell of a June. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, and that, that versatility is an understatement. As long as basketball is kept first, that's yeah. a bar. But talking about our, you know, our successes in life, you know, when we ask all our guests, you know, suffering from success, you know, everyone wants to be successful, whatever your version of that is. Most people they think it's money or fame, but being in the NBA, it's different types of things you have to deal with stemming from being in the NBA and being famous. And so, from all your ex- uh, experiences, you know. How have you suffered from success? And it being white, too. And I'm not being, like, funny or anything, but, you know, I always go back to the Kyle Culver conversation. I was listening to one of the uh, NBA team meetings where we were talking about, you know, finances and dealing with pressures from family and money and, you know, a guy taking care of everybody. And Kyle Culver looks around and says, you guys pay your parents' rent? Why? And there's nothing wrong with it, just, you know, not knowing and not having the background of it all. And so that's why I like to ask, different players from all over different places of the earth. What is, what is your, how has your success hindered you or brought any pain or trauma to your life being an NBA player? I just learned that when I get too high, there's always something coming to knock me down. Mm-hmm. So like I've, I've kind of experienced that, like going you go back to that injury. Like I was riding a high, mm-hmm. like I was hooping. I'm talking, you know, we're talking about contract extension. We're doing this and that, blah, blah, blah. Like, boom, got hurt. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in, I'm deep in a hole. Yep. So, like, for me, and there's also little things. Like, even, even within the span of games, like, you play well for three games. Like, don't – like, for me, I got to remind myself. Like, don't come in walking with your chest up a right. little bit more and you're hot. Like, be the same you yeah. because something's going to come and yeah. knock you down. But that's vice versa, too, is, like – just because you're playing bad for three games, like, be you. Right. Because you're going to come back and you're going to have a game where you're going to be hooping and everybody's going to be like, oh, he's back. Right. So, for me, it's more so about just staying, like, level. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because my girl at home always be reminding me, like, man, like, pick up your energy today. You good. Right. Or right. if I'm walking around like, oh, you had a good – all right. Yeah. Like, stay level. Yeah. And I need that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So – um, and then, like, from the financial stuff that everybody talks about, like, 
I kind of got to remind my parents, I got to remind my family, like, yo, I'm good. Like, I can do this for you and this and that. Like, for, for my parents, it's always been if, you know, they got 10 cents, they're going to give me nine and they right. keep a penny for themselves. Right. And that's they're going to make that penny work. Right. Like, for me, it's like I got to really tell them, like, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And you guys are going to be okay with it. Right. Because I'm going to be okay. Yep. Um, and once, the, once they know I'm okay, they don't care about anything else because – even the you know the the minimum amount of money in the NBA is a lot of money in, in this world. So true story for sure. One last question. No one person is an island. So all of us, you know, on the stage, uh, in this room, for a matter of fact, uh, are here because of decisions we made, decisions we've made, and the work we put in. But also the people around us. You know, when we were kids, you know, teenagers, you know, college, so on and so forth. So when you think back, who was that one person? Uh, who has missed, meant the most to you on your professional journey and you know just one person why? yeah pick one i can't pick one bro great answer i can't i got three. Oh, yeah three then my mom dad and brother okay no matter what okay like, so here's my question now is your brother older my brother's older so et we're all we're all second sons yeah uh, well, i'm a third you're a third yeah. well, if you do my dad i'm like one at eight so Dang. Right, but I thought, yeah. <laughs> but but your mom has how many kids? My mom has three. Three, so okay, so you're third. third. Okay, um, Robert Smith, uh, who was on earlier, has a second son theory, but an even younger son. But why is it that the younger brothers tend to work out from their experiences they've seen through the older brother? I got to watch my brother mess up. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I got to watch. It's it's the yeah, same yeah. thing in everything. Over like, bro, over. if I'm on the yeah. bench and I see the starter, whatever, yeah, I'm like, I ain't gonna do that when I get in the game. <laughs> right. Like, it's, it's exactly yeah. what it. Or my brother has success with certain things. I'm like, I'm doing exactly what yeah. he did. Yeah. And that's and it makes parenting for my parents hella easy, right? Because like, but you, there's a lot of people that really don't pay attention to their older siblings and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I knew right from wrong, and he knew right from wrong. So when he made a mistake. He look at me, but all right, cool, I ain't gonna do that. Right. And it makes it easy going through, you know, life. And that's what makes me think Steph is weird in all accounts. He's the oldest son yeah. and he's different. He's a perfect human being. I don't he's know what's different. Something wrong. Something wrong with him. We're gonna find out. Thanks, Dante. Appreciate sure. you, brother. I appreciate you. White boy Rick man. back in the building. <laughs> Stop appreciate that, bro.